Love this podcast? Head to patreon.com slash DATC Media Company to find out how you can show your support. I've heard Sam talk about how it was complete, like the line he said for merch the first year he did it, it never stopped the entire weekend. He's like, it was the most ridiculous merch I've ever dealt with in my life. He's it, like, it didn't stop insane. this weekend. It didn't stop weekend, this weekend. Yeah, it's insane how much money they probably made on merch. It's the, insane. The, the, I'm going to send you a video. Um, at one point, the merch line was as long as the line of all the tents. And there was always, it was always like, I would say consistently, there was always between 50 and 75 people in line, like consistently. And then there was like, like when I came in at noon and, and doors were at, at, at one and music didn't start till two 30, there were vendors in line. Like there was 25 people in line who were just volunteers and vendors who were in line. And I was like, what the fuck? Like they wanted to make sure they got their shit before it sold out. Yeah. They they were doing the same thing that I was doing. They're like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to come in early because I can and just not wait in line for an hour. But like in the thick of things, there was probably three, four hundred people online for, for 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 two or three hours. Like it was fucking wild. A member of the DATC Media Family. This is Dropped Among This Crowd, a podcast that dives into the music and community of improvisational progressive rock band Umphreys McGee. Each episode will feature a rotating schedule of insightful show recaps interviews with members of Team UM, as well as musicians who have been inspired by the band. This is your place for the latest news and happenings in the world of Humphreys McGee, keeping you informed on what's going on or where you can catch the next show. I'm your host, Sarah J. Thanks for joining me as we dive in. Are you prepared for what comes next? Why don't you first give everybody a little back history? I'm just going to keep saying healing because I know I'm going to slaughter the other word and it's become like this funny joke. (laughs) So we're just going to call it healing. At least I am. So (laughs) so I'm going to say healing Appalachia uh, specifically so that Sam Sutton can hear that I can say something properly because uh, <laughs> I think one of the uh, un- one of the uh, worst kept secrets is that uh, I spell things improperly and Sam likes to remind me that I said it or uh, or did it wrong but uh, and I say that with love because he does uh, so it's healing Appalachia and I know it so it's the brainchild of Tyler Childers and yeah. so talk some more about the history of it and where the money goes and all of that. Yeah. So um, there's, that's a great question. So uh, I wasn't there in the room when it was conceived, but the, uh, the, the story that I heard was that, you know, Tyler has gotten sober and he was talking to some of his guys in the, in his organization and basically said that the Appalachian region uh you know kentucky west virginia that part of the world where he comes from and he lives now uh is just really affected by by drug addiction and alcoholism um and uh, he said i want to i want to do something that will sort of change the face of that and you know and not necessarily uh fix it but let's make an impact essentially the idea with with uh healing appalachia is to to 
put on a music festival that is uh, uh, specifically there to to raise money and raise awareness for recovery related organizations. And so um, there was Narcan training. There was uh, numerous organizations who were there talking about housing, talking about jobs, talking about peer recovery. Talking, there was a organization there, um, amazing, amazing group of people called Res Hope, and they were um, Native Americans who are who have a program called uh, Addict to Athlete, and they were talking about, um, you know, recovery in the Native and in the white community. Uh, but, you know, using the principles that they know. And they they said some of our people are 12-step people, some of our people are not. And, you know, we're not here to judge how you find recovery. We're here to help assist. Right. You know, it's absolutely spectacular. And so that's the idea. Um, you know, met, met board members, met uh, people who were part of the organization, and they basically just – passionate advocates for recovery and music. And it's like, okay, well, these are my people, <laughs> you know? Like sure. And uh, three years ago, they had 1,500 people. Last year, they had five or 6,000 people. And this year, there were 12,000 people, uh, which is just a, a, a massive growth trajectory. And uh, I think any any business would be happy to have that kind of year-over-year sure. growth. Especially so, a music festival post-COVID. Uh, like, 100%. Seriously. 100%. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it's been really interesting to let's go back to Sam for a second. So, um, you know, I'm going to I'm going to give you some of my background with just being a Tyler fan. Okay, so Rick Rubin wrote a book called The Creative Act, A Way of Being. And that book is a must read. Uh, It changed my life. It's an absolutely spectacular book. And if you're not into reading, there's like 35 podcasts where Rick Rubin talks about this book with other people. And I listened to as many of them as I could find. Um, and it's it's absolutely incredible to hear him talk about his way of seeing the world and um, really changed my life. And one of the things that Rick talks about is if the world keeps presenting you with something pay attention to it. And, uh, you know, if something keeps showing up in your life, it doesn't mean that you have to like it, but you have to pay attention to it. And he says, if your friends are all listening to a band, listen to that band. And it doesn't mean that you have to like that band, but if, you know, you're friends with people who are similar to you. And so if your friends are liking something, give it a shot and don't dismiss it. Uh, you know, just because you don't know it. And on freeze McGee, covers White House Road. I see Sam posting about Tyler regularly. I've got a few other friends who are, you know, into it. And so I called Sam and I was like, hey, Sam, you know, I just read this book. And I listened to this podcast and, you know, it feels like the universe wants me to be a fan of Tyler's children. Can you, you know, point me in the direction of like, what should I listen to? And he was like, first of all, there is no band Tyler's children. There's a guy, Tyler Childers. And I was like, fuck, I did it again. <laughs> like I do my, my dyslexia really loves putting me in these positions where I just sound like a fucking idiot. Um, and I'm not a complete fucking idiot, but I sound like one. Um, and so Sam, Sam and I had a good laugh and, and he started naming me albums. And I was like, are you, 
are you suggesting that I just start from the beginning and listen to albums in sequential order? And he's like, yeah, that's what you need to do. Just listen to them in sequential order. And I was like, okay. And for about six weeks, all I listened to was Tyler Childers, uh, you know, and I'd spend four or five days on a single album and then move on to the next album and spend four or five days. And I was like, no, 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 I got to go back to that first album and hear the difference. And I, I literally spent six weeks, um, just listening to Tyler. Like I was deep into it and I learned how to play a lot of his songs, not nearly as well as he does. Um, but, but really got, got into it deep. Um, and so going from not knowing anything about Tyler or his music or his recovery or his story or, you know, music from, Kentucky like yeah I was you know I was just like a complete stranger country music is not my um not my genre I mean I I don't listen to country music I I, I think that uh my my um my world of country music is like the outlaw like Willie Nelson uh you know the band like that's my yep. version of country music you know and I, and some yeah. people would argue that it's not even country music and so this sort of like outlaw americana singer songwriter um is is really um something that i'm that i'm appreciating and i think that you know seeing that sort of world open up to me um has been really cool in this last year uh and then as I was getting ready to come to Healing Appalachia, I, I spent some time listening to the musicians that were going to be playing at the festival for the same reason that Rick Rubin said, right? So if these are musicians that Tyler says are good musicians, I don't necessarily have to like them all, but I'm going to give them a chance because, you know, this is something that the universe is putting in front of me. And so I have found some stuff that I, absolutely love and i found some stuff that i said hey man this isn't for me and that's okay you know it doesn't all have to be for me and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna name for this podcast the things that i thought weren't for me because i don't want to i don't want to um I don't want to put a fly in the ointment for somebody else who might take a listen. Right. But there's some people that I'm just like, Hey, that's a little too twangy for me. You know, there's too much violin and, and, and like, you know, I, it sounds like, sounds like something from a, a you know, a, a, an 1800s period piece movie. Right. You're like, that's, that's, that's a little too much for me. Um, and there's other things that are like, I, I just don't like the dude's voice, not because it's a bad voice, but because I'm not, I'm, that's just not, not for, for me and that's okay. Yeah. But um, there's certain stuff that I've found in the it, just in the last few months, getting ready for for um, for healing Appalachia that I thought were spectacular. So um, what were they? Name I'm, name them. What 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 bands? So the biggest one for me is Tommy Prime. Um, okay. Um, I came into I I I. I pulled up his music and I'm going to admit this, you know, with a little bit of like shame. Right. So I, I pulled up the music with the assumption that, that, uh, Oh man, he's just going to be trying trying to play his father's music. And John Prine's music is very important to me and very important to my life. And, um, 
you know, Sarah, you know that in my dad's, as my dad was passing, he asked me to play music for him. And so I spent six weeks, uh, you know, playing music at my dad's bedside every day. Um, and um, John Prine's music was, was in heavy rotation in that. So, um, you know, I, I, I pulled up the albums, I pulled up the not albums, I pulled up the music, you know, sort of like, oh man, here's another kid of a musician who's going to be trying to rip off his dad's music. And I couldn't have been more wrong. Okay. Um, it's no secret that it's probably easier to walk into a recording studio when your last name is, is, is famous like that. But Tommy is singing his own songs in his own style with his own voice, uh, with his own writing style. Uh, and it's fucking beautiful. And, um, uh, the song, by the way, by Tommy Prine, I've listened to a thousand times. Um, and, uh, I learned how to play it. Um, yeah. not well, <laughs> Hey, it don't matter. Um, I, I, I'm working on it. Um, I'm going to play it another few hundred times before I take a video and post it because I don't want to, I don't want to do it an injustice. Um, uh, he could have written that song about my relationship with my dad. Um, that the song, by the way, is probably the most important thing that came out of healing Appalachia for me. Um, Damn. Just fucking beautiful. Um, and uh, hopefully I get to shake his hand one day and thank him for that because it's just spectacular, spectacular oh. song. Goosebumps. So, That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Um, Arlo McKinley. It's got some songs that I like, you know, uh, there's some stuff there, you know, I enjoyed it. The other one, uh, uh, there's two, is it Godwin or Goodwin? There, there was two good ones. There was Tim Goodwin and Charles Goodwin. Cool shit. Um, you know, again, some of it was for me. Some of it wasn't. Um, and then, I mean, listen, anytime you get to see Marcus King is a good day, right? Anytime sure. I get to see Government Mule is a good day. For sure. Um, you know, so some of the stuff I, I knew and was aware of, and it wasn't it wasn't new to me. It was it was uh, you know sort of festival sets. Let's talk about the Umphrey set. So they had two drummers that sat in. So they had Jack Ryan from Marcus King and then Rodney Elkins from Tyler Childers. And it was fun seeing Sam's posts. He was geeking out because he's such a Tyler fan. And, you know, it's such a big festival for him. He gets to be in charge of the merch and everything. So for him, that's a it's a dream, I'm sure. Yep. So then to have their drummer sit in. With Umphreys, it was cool to see his excitement. So talk about your yep. highlights from the set. So first of all, um, you know, when when you look at you know, when when you look at the lineup of drummers that have been sitting in with um that have been sitting in with Umphreys, these are jam band improvisational music drummers. And so some people were surprised by some of the choices, but for the most part, you know, other than Jason Bonham, like Mike Greenfield, you know, Ben Atkin, like these are, these are guys who are used to exploration and improvisational music. Um, Jack Ryan and Rodney, these are 
country blues, like, you know, these are Southern music. Like this is not jam band world. So it was like, okay, are we going to stick to, is this going to be like an hour long Phil's farm? Like <laughs> what's going to happen here? Which I wouldn't <laughs> be against. <laughs> I, I mean, listen, I, 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 w- I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have left, you know, like, sure. you know, everybody's like, I wouldn't have kicked that out of bed, you know, like I would, sure. I've been down. Um, number one, Jack Ryan crushed it. Okay. Yeah. And I don't know whether it's true or not, but at the end, I think it was at the end of all in time, uh, Brendan said that, that Jack's been a Humphreys fan since he was 14. Yeah. I listened to that. He said he's been like waiting to play that song since he was four. I was like trying to do math. I'm like, how old is he then? So I was like, going to try to dig into that a little more. Cause I'm like, wait a minute. Dude, no joke. The hat is this is the new math playlist. <laughs> this is this is so you and I made the same uh, hand motion, which is like counting on our fingers. Like, how old is Jack? Wh- when did the album come out? What? Yeah. Like, how? How long has he been playing? Like, so totally. Like, I don't know whether Bre- Brennan was joking or not, but the idea that Jack is a fan who now gets to to play with the band. Um, by the way there were no covers in his set either, right? All the other drummers were playing covers and he was like, I don't need, I'm assuming, right? I wasn't in the room. I'm assuming that he was like, we don't need to play covers. I know him for his music. He fucking crushed it. He did a yeah, great I job. Yeah, I listened to most, and, I didn't listen to all of it, but I listened to most of that set. I got it pulled up here now. And like that all in time, right out of the gate. Like, just, I mean, just- <laughs> so so I posted a I posted a short reel on the Ja Junkie um Instagram of Jack just in the pocket and uh and it was interesting you know it's 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 been interesting to hear Umfree's songs played with a different drummer and what they their take on it and I really enjoyed his his movement in all in time and I posted this short clip where he was just like in the fucking pocket and Jack commented he was like Oh man, you caught the moment that I dropped the drums, the the drumstick, because he like it like popped out of his hand, and then he grabbed another one and kept going. I was like, no, I didn't catch the moment that you dropped the drumstick. I caught the moment that you recovered from dropping a drumstick and kept going, fucking crushed it. And he was like, okay, you know, like that. That's how that's how I saw that. Like I didn't yeah. catch the mistake. I caught a beautiful recovery. Yeah. Um, but the other thing that I noticed was that he was wearing headphones during the set. And uh, I was like, oh, is that the like the John Mayer? Like, I'm just I'm, I'm zoned into just the music and not anything else. Um, and there was one point where it, like the headphones started slipping down on his forehead. And I was like, it, it was like it was like waiting to watch a Jenga, uh, you know, <laughs> the Jenga pieces fall. I'm like, when's it going to go down? When's it going to go down? And then again, seamlessly, he just fixed it and went back to it. And it, it was really cool to watch him, um, yeah. watch him play. Uh, I think another highlight was Ben factor. I mean, I I'm always up for a good light show and it was really cool to see. I don't believe that that was his full light rig. Right. And there was a screen behind. So like he was playing with other people's toys, did a fucking great job. Like that was, that was very cool. Um, I, also posted a reel like there was some really cool like um just uh, jake did it and ryan did it where they just sort of stood there in their fucking you know rock poses and ben 
either lit them up or did the backlighting. So you're looking at a silhouette and I was just like, this is fucking awesome. Like it was just a fun show. Like, you know, it, it was just a fun show. Um, another cool thing about the set for me was, um, you know, we had eight people at the much obliged tent who were volunteering. Right. So, uh, people who were coming in, a lot of the members of Much Obliged are there for the recovery, but aren't necessarily as big of Humphreys fans. Like, so there's a lot of like crossover between the Fellowship and the Warfrats and other Yellow Balloon groups. And so, um, one of the volunteers had never seen Humphreys. So, my buddy Keith was volunteering this weekend and was volunteering because I had shared my excitement for the festival and he wanted to see Trey. And so, you know, he was volunteering. Um, fucker got down you know i mean he had a he had a great time so nice. um you know being bring being able to bring people to their first or one of their first on free shows you know in this environment was was very cool um really special for sure yeah yeah, yeah it was a lot of fun yeah. it was a lot of fun a uh, couple of other highlights um the professor wormbug um so I love when Humphreys plays jazz, right? It's like, it's the best. Professor Wernberg, Wally, Fuzzy, Just, Fuzzy, Fuzzy Dutchman, Kimball, like that genre of Humphreys, like, it fucking gets me going every time. Your love uh, language. <laughs> it, it really is. It really is. Um, you know, uh, the kabump, like, you know... <laughs> You know, it's, we're, I mean, we're just, we're talking, I just, I love that shit. Um, I thought that this was a particularly like funky, jazzy version. Um, lots of fun. And then moving it into Higgins, uh, you know, hearing your conversation with um, Mike Greenfield last week about Draconian and how, like, how different and special it was, I thought that that was the Higgins that they played was far out. Um, it was, it was very unique. Um, I don't know that I would say it was the greatest version that was ever played. Like I'm not there yet, yeah. but I'll listen to that a hundred times. Okay. Yeah. I haven't gotten that far. I'm going to definitely <laughs> you know, listen to that for that, sure. I love there's that, a nice puppet string in there too. So 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 I'm standing next to Keith. He's dancing, and as soon as they start playing puppet string, I'm like, "Dude, get ready!" And he's like, "What?" And I'm like, "Just, just fucking hold on to your socks for a second. And uh, and he's like, "He's like what?" And uh, as soon as the break happens, and Ryan did his bass riff, um, Keith gasped audibly, and it was like a <gasps> like. <laughs> I love it. Was, it was so love good. Love it so much. It was so You're just good. Like yes, I, 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 I got to witness it. It was like hey, I remember oh. the first time that I heard it, and I was like, "What the fuck was that?" And just watching him do that was um, was really fucking great. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. So, <laughs> That's yeah, was, awesome. So um, it's like I do it almost getting to witness like conception or something. You're just like, that's the moment it happened. <laughs> now, here's the other thing about that specific song was the intro to, to puppet is normally like a very intense buildup. This was the mellowest puppet intro I've ever heard. 
like if you want to talk EST at the end of a like you know the, the you know you want to talk about ests I don't think that that's a word. All right, Sam Sam will correct me later. I but make up words all about, the time on my show, so you're fine. <laughs> right. Yeah, you want to talk about est? That was the mellowest puppet intro that I have ever heard. Um, it was just smooth, and they they were chilling, they were having fun. Like it's a really cool intro, not the typical intense buildup, which is probably why Ryan blew the socks off of Keith like that, because it went from this like mellow, mellow intro into that. It was, it was fucking great. Um, so. Nice. Um, they seem yeah. like they were just having a really good time with all of it. Like even that wife soup was really nice. I think that's where I stopped. I mean, I always love a conduit, um, but they just seem like even in just the first four songs that I listened to, they just, they were having a great time with it. They were just having a 100%. good time. And, and, and if you couldn't hear it, listening to it after, if they release any video or if you see people's video online, you can see that they were having fun. Jake was moving. Brendan was smiling, big fucking cheesy eating smile, uh, cheese, not cheese eating smile, big cheesy smile. Uh, it's a shit eating grin and a cheesy smile that I sort of come <laughs> You did like a, a compound cheese, phrasing. Yeah, we're, it's a cheese eating smile. It's a new, it's a new term. <laughs> Um, you know, Joel and I mean, just everybody looked like they were having a fucking great time. Like it was, it was a cool, it was a cool thing to witness. Um, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I, I'm not going to lie. I had a side bet going. I thought that the announcement, cause they waited to announce who the drummer was. Yeah. I thought yeah. that Russ Lawton from Trey band was going to be the the drummer because i was just hopeful i thought i was like i was like this is gonna happen i didn't say that to anybody because i didn't want to i didn't want to say it out loud and then be so horribly wrong when it was somebody else but right um that would have been wild because russ is such a straightforward in the pocket like grooves and fills and grooves and fills like that's that's what he does um and so hearing the idea of hearing him playing Humphrey's song was like, Oh shit, what's he going to do? But that's the same thing that I just said about Jack. Like, you know, the, 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 the country blues version, you know, it was, it was pretty fucking cool. If you wanted to talk about the encore and the end of it with Rodney, if you had anything to add about that, you know, from a normal person perspective, it was fucking sick, right? It's not a song that they cover very often. Um, you know, there's the London session version that's sort of like, you know, up here. Um, so it was really cool to see them play that live. I don't believe I've ever seen them do that live. Um, on a personal level, it was, it was, it was a pretty special moment for me. Um, my, uh, my dad passed away in June and, uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to share a personal story. Um, so this summer, um, Tyler was playing in Detroit and, um, uh, I was going to be seeing him for the first time at the Detroit Masonic temple, which is a absolutely fucking beautiful venue. Um, just iconic room. And, uh, I left my office and I was driving downtown to the venue. Um, and, uh, I got a phone call from my dad 
and uh, he that sort of the disease was hitting him so hard that he didn't remember that he was that sick. And uh, the doctors had come in and said, hey, we need to talk to you about some of the stuff. And he was like, I don't have cancer. What are you talking about? Like, what, what, what are you what are you saying to me? And he called me absolutely fucking panicked. And I turned the car around and I went to my dad's bedside and I spent, you know, five or six hours with him uh, and I missed the show. And uh, Sam called me the next morning and was like, oh, my God, you got the most incredible show last night. And like he was just he was going for it before I even had a chance to. And and, I, and as soon as he finished, I was like, Sam, I, I missed the show last night. Like my dad was losing it. And and I just I needed to be there. And I'm like, I'm going to see Tyler a hundred times in my lifetime, hopefully more. Uh, and, you know, there's just, there's not time to do this. Um, and so uh, Sam was like, Oh my God, I feel so bad. Yeah, I'm like, dude, don't worry. Like you, you said the right thing. It was me who changed, you know, I'm the one who changed the plan, not you. For sure. So, um, so that night, um, you know, my dad was, struggling because he was sort of facing his mortality, you know? Um, and he was like, he says to me, uh, you know, I just need to have a good attitude and then everything will be okay. And I was like, listen, man, good attitude isn't going to fix shit, right? You can have a good attitude because that's how you want to have, have a good attitude, but you need to face reality and walk into the light with your chin held high, right? Like you, if there are things that you need to do or things that you need to say, say them, you know, uh, do them. And I'd had that conversation with him a couple of times, but he said, he said to me, Benji, there's nothing that I feel that I need to do um, other than I'd really like to go to another concert. And I said, Hey man, I, I can't take you to another concert. Like that doesn't logistically work, but I can bring the concert to you. And he's like, what do you mean? And I said, I play, I play music. I play guitar and my friends play guitar. Um, I'll bring, I'll bring my, guys over and we'll play songs for you. And he goes, I don't want to listen to your shit music. And I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? Like half the stuff that I play is stuff from your generation, right? The Beatles and the stones and, you know, all this, all this fun stuff. Like it's, it's the music that I grew up on. And he was like, okay. So, you know, we spent the next couple of hours uh, just talking about his uh, ideal set list. Right. I told him you get to pick the set list. And he said, to, that, that was the night he said to me, uh, he goes, I don't know if you've ever heard of this guy, John Prine. I really love John. And I was like, have I ever heard of John Prine? Right? <laughs> like, what? And that's that's when I discovered that my dad and I both loved John Prine. That's um, cool. But, but the Beatles were on that list. And, um, and I played a lot of Beatles songs for my dad. Um, and uh, he's, you know, was a child of the 60s and 70s. And so, you know, when we'd have these deep, conversations he'd go wow that was heavy you know and that was like one of the things oh man that's heavy that's some heavy shit man you know like he was he was one of those guys and so um the whole experience of like being at a tyler childers festival uh you know 10 12 weeks after my dad passed uh and finally being able to see him for the first time and then uh pairing that with much obliged and you know, that's a big part of my life. And then adding in uh, just being able to see Humphreys, right? Like that's, that's always a good day. And then them closing with um, 
a Beatles cover and then just standing right in front of Jake and he's screaming, she's so heavy, right? It's just like in my face. And I was just like, oh my God, it was, uh, if, if I was, uh, if I was the type of person who got emotional, I would have gotten, uh, I'm emotional. Like I'm legitimately crying over here. Like, (laughs) yeah, I'm seeing it. (laughs) Oh my Um, God. So, um, it was, it was an intense, it was an intense moment and I was really fucking grateful for it. Um, it just, you know, uh, you know, I felt the, uh, I felt the music physically shaking my body, right? Like I, I felt I was, we were standing right in front of the speakers. And so, um, you know, I felt that sort of intensity. Um, I was really grateful for it. It was just, it was a perfect setup. Um, and I know it wasn't intentional, but it felt like it was, <laughs> you know, like nobody, it was nobody thought of me with, what it was. Yeah, exactly. It was cosmic. I'll, I'll that was, that, that was know. the universe. Just like your, your dad was there with you. Yeah, it was a, uh, it was a cosmic hug, if you will. It was. Um, and, uh, and I'm, and I'm always grateful for those moments and, you know, in recovery, it, a lot of, a lot of recovery for me is just like being open is being open to that stuff. Right. And rather than saying, Oh, well, that's just a, that's an interesting coincidence. Okay. Maybe, or maybe it was a cosmic hug and, and I'm, nice. I'm always down for a cosmic hug. So, um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm really grateful for, for the show. I was really grateful for this festival in general. Um, it was good. It was real good. Awesome. Well, the last thing I would love for you to do is shout out all of the amazing people that volunteered at the Much Obliged table over the weekend. It's a long, uh, as many list. people as you can can remember and do. And and we'll start off by saying, Benji, sorry in advance for forgetting anyone. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's okay. I, I'm going to pull up a picture to make sure that I don't forget anyone. So, All right, um, perfect. So the way that I, the way that we did this was that there were um, three main uh, sort of table hosts, right? They were people who were committed to being there for the day, and then there were numerous people who rotated in and out to to make sure that there was presence of multiple people. So uh, David P. Um, is a fucking rock star, and he got there on Wednesday afternoon, and he has hosted a lot of tables and I shared this in the meeting there and said, every time David hosts a table, I know that it's going to be done and it's going to be done right. And I don't have to worry about it. So David is awesome. Um, Ozzy and Tizzy were also um, uh, day long table hosts and the uh, friends from Alabama, but we had uh, Keith and Kristen and Jen and um, Bob and Fred was there Um you know, so th- those were the table hosts. Uh, I also have to mention that there was another yellow balloon group that was at the festival called Rocks, and it's a small group that does festivals in the southeast. And uh, we sort of uh, connected me and Anna and said, you know, why would we have competing meetings when we can do this together? Right? There's a lot of sand in the sandbox, and let's let's do this together. We're not competition. We're 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 cooperative and and there to support one another. And so the rocks folks came over and, uh, and made sure to, you know, support our meetings and we supported them. And so we did our meetings together and that was great. That's um, cool. The one person I forgot to mention was Michael A. Um, he came with me and he did, uh, he did a lot of interviewing with me and um, helped me collect stuff for the podcast. So that was our crew. 
That's awesome. What a very solid, solid crew. And for anybody listening who doesn't know, the Much Obliged podcast drops every Monday. And I know Ozzy was on the show and there may have been a couple of other people that have been on the show. There's been a whole bunch of episodes. So you can hear people's stories. And uh, yeah, and there's been some episodes of my show. If you want more info on Much Obliged and all that, I'll link everything so people can go back and listen to the other times you've been on the show. I think this is the third time now, which is just awesome as hell. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, there's, it's like a, you know, Saturday night live has that counter for people who've been on multiple times. I think uh, seven or eight is the, is it the, 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 the top numbers. The I'm going to look yeah. this up now. Cause now I want to know who's like hosted it the most. So I'm going to have to start yeah. doing a counter and we'll see like who's on the show the most. <laughs> I think so. I think I think Steve. I think there's three people: Steve Martin, and I don't remember who the other people are. But like, they made a big deal about it like a year or two ago. Like somebody joined that that level. Like they hmm. they were. We'll have to look it up. We'll okay. Yeah, we'll, I'm gonna look this up. I'm gonna look into this more for sure. For yeah. sure. <laughs> so we'll have a counter with uh, with uh, DATC. Like who's who's been on the show the most. So. I'm going to do that. I'm going to look because there's definitely a couple people that have been on the show a few times, like Jimmy knowledge. And there's been a couple people. So I'm going to, I'm going to do this now and do it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Awesome. All right. Awesome. I'm looking forward to seeing where I stack up. So. <laughs> I have a feeling you'll be on the show more and more times. For sure. For sure. <laughs> All right, Sarah. I appreciate you. Awesome. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thank you. I appreciate it. We'll talk soon. Yeah, for sure. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Bye. Bye.